Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello! I'm Andy Behrens, joined this week by Matt Harmon. No Liz Loza on the preview podcast for Friday. Not this time. No, not this time. But don't worry. It's not a it's not a Jalen Hurts, Carson Wentz thing. Liz is going to be back. This is just a one-timer with Matt Harmon. Um, welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast presented by Planters, satisfying your snack cravings for over 100 years. Uh, do you know what satisfied me today? I found out uh, just, just today that I actually made the playoffs in a league. I am apparently the sixth seed in a league in which I'm like five and eight because I had the most total points. I didn't even know that was a rule, so I missed out on waiver claims entirely. But whatever, I'm excited. I'm, I'm in a, like an extra playoff round. And all I have to do is beat James Coe. How hard can that be? That, it can't be too hard at all, Andy. Also, a uh, bit of salt in the wounds here, man. You actually bested me for the sixth seed in the league that we're in together with uh, the, the big 14-team auction league. So tough scene there. You got me because of total points again. This is this is brutal. I actually feel kind of root. I feel feel hurt that I'm on the <laughs> pod with you today because I. And this is all. And we just talked about Antonio Gibson before we we started uh, we started recording. It's because of Gibson that I'm I'm out in this, so I'm out in this league because he got hurt. So oh, tough. I didn't I didn't actually realize I was I was subtweeting you there. I was like it's a league where that's I was fine. just not going to check in anymore. Like I set my lineup one last time and I'm like, well, that's one less thing to think about. Don't have to worry about it. And then um, Tommy, uh, Ted Bell, uh, reached out and was like, hey, I think you're in the playoffs in this league in which you had that terrible record. I was like, well, what? This is, that's when you know you're in way too many leagues when someone has to be like, hey, by the way, I think you're in the playoffs. Or <laughs> yes. like this morning, I, you know, on the Scott Fishbowl, you know, he puts like, a, if you're not on, if your name is not on this page, do not do ad drops. And I was like, I better check them on this page. I'm like, oh, I'm on the page. I'm still playing. Cool. Let's, let's go. Yeah, that's that's the way I'm looking at it. Um, we have a we have a jammed slate this week. Uh, nobody's on by for the first time in a little while. So let's start with um, I'm actually I'm pretty excited about this because I have a, a, a curious attachment to both quarterbacks in my fantasy portfolio. Minnesota at Tampa. It is it is America's quarterback, Kirk Cousins. Nobody hotter in all of North American sports right now than Kirk Cousins. Uh, he's got three straight 300 yard games. He's got 14 touchdown passes in his last five. He has largely stopped throwing interceptions, which is which is pretty exciting. Minnesota's won five of six. The loss was to Dallas, which is weird, but hey, that's that's 2020. Uh, on the other side, we got Bruce Arians saying that Ronald Jones, quote, needs to have 20 touches. 
I, I love it. When has that not worked out when we expect Ronald Jones to have 20 touches? So surely that will happen. Um, what do you like in this game? What interests you? Yeah, this game, I actually feel is one of the tougher ones to read on the slate because it's projected to be a high scoring game, 51 and a half uh, total. But I could easily see it not going that way because I feel like both offenses are at their best when they slow the ball down, like they slow the game down, they run the ball a lot. I think that's when the Bucks offense, we think of it because of obviously all of the receivers, all of the weaponry that they have there. But like by and large, they've been a, a much better team when their defense is able to step up, when their running game is able to be involved. So I do think they're at their best when they can keep Jones involved, when they can keep the they can keep themselves on schedule based on that run game. So I actually don't really know. I don't have a good feel how this one's going to go. I'm a little bit bearish on that total in general. Like I, I could easily see this being much more of a run heavy script from both teams, obviously. And it's funny too, Andy, I feel like these are, these two offenses are completely different in some ways because with Tampa Bay, it's like a weekly, well, where's the ball going to go? They have so (laughs) many different players, anything. And in Minnesota, we know exactly where it's going to go. It's going to go into Dalvin cook's belly, or it's going to go to Adam Thielen, or it's going to go to Justin Jefferson and nothing else matters. So in that way, there's sort of, weird uh complete opposites of each other yeah if you had to pick you know i feel like mike evans has been relatively reliable and when mike evans doesn't get his targets bruce arians has been kind enough to call out tom brady for not targeting him um so what it's a sweetheart us- yeah yeah so it's usually it's usually a mike evans game following that he has this weird ratio of touchdowns to receptions right now so he's relatively safe and then it's a guessing game beyond that and i honestly i have no idea if this is a godwin week or an antonio brown week or a gronk week Gronk is probably somebody that you just got to start anyway, right? Because tight end is such a hellscape. Yeah, I feel like you're probably not going to have a better option than Gronk. Like, that seems unlikely to me. With the receivers specifically, I still I feel like I've said it every time I talk about the Bucks offense since they signed him. I feel like they're much worse off with Antonio Brown than they were without just yeah. because it continues to be a weird piece that they can't quite figure out. It feels like they're trying to get him like Brady is desperately trying to get him involved in the vertical game and it's just not happening. And we're already, I mean, now we're at the point where there are like both factions, the Arians faction and the Brady factions are becoming that they're becoming like different factions of the team. There's become, there's that division there anyway. So that's problematic. Uh, Just really don't like this passing game where it's trending in general. If I had to pick one of the two other guys beyond Evans, uh, I would pick Godwin. I feel like he's got the best matchup as the slot receiver there. Um, not that any of these cornerbacks, you know, pose a an intimidating matchup. Although I would say that the Bucks defense, or excuse me, the Vikings defense is definitely not quite the pushover that we thought it was a few months ago. Let's transition to another uh, passing game that is probably not as exciting as um, you'd wanted it to be. Um, you, you actually, you wrote some really interesting things this week about the Arizona Cardinals uh, and the hidden issue in the Cardinals passing game. I want to get to that um, from your from your metrics notebook. It's super interesting. Just a handful of notes about this thing. Kyler Murray, who I believe is still the number one fantasy quarterback on the season, and you're rolling him out there because he's been great. and He's got a zillion rushing touchdowns and all that. But in his last three games, uh, only five rush attempts in each game. Uh, he has no rushing TDs. He's been held under 200 passing yards two times in his last three Maybe it helps for Larry Fitzgerald to return. I know that we don't get particularly excited about Larry Fitzgerald for fantasy purposes. He is obviously one of the great security blankets of all time, an inner circle Hall of Famer and all that. Um, it's nice to have him back. The The Giants uh, on the other side of this game have won four straight, just held Seattle to 12 points. I 
have not yet rewatched every game from the week 13 slate, but I have rewatched that one. And uh, the like the Giants were <laughs> the Giants were hitting. Um, they, that was yeah. fun. Like they legitimately held uh, the Seahawks in check. Like Jab- Jabril Peppers was laying people out. It was a, I mean, that is a frisky defense right now playing against an offense that just has not been good in a while. But anyway, I want you to have an opportunity to talk a little bit about the Arizona passing game, because, again, I, th- I thought everything you wrote was great. Yeah, I love what you said about the Giants defense, too. And that's what I actually think makes this matchup pretty intimidating for the Cardinals is not only were the Giants physical against the Seahawks, like they got after those guys. You also saw their defensive coordinator really mix things up. Like normally the Giants have been just a pretty straight like we're going to play cover three, do what we do every single week. But I think they had watched film on what has been besting the Seahawks lately, which is basically just like do whatever you can to take away the vertical game because Seattle's not hitting a lot of layups. Like if they don't hit DK on a slant against man coverage on the outside or they don't get Tyler Lockett doing one of those man beating crosser routes um, over the middle, they're, they have no they have no tight end presence. You know, their third receiver obviously is is inconsistent or whatever. So they're they're a very like boomer bust offense. And like they boomed hard in the first part of the season. <laughs> and now they're basically, you know, they're they're the opposite of that. They, things are not going well. And I thought again, I just thought the Giants uh, fungibility there to be like, look, we're just going to take away the vertical game. We're going to play two deep safeties. I thought that was impressive because it's not what they normally do. Um, I, I will going also this say week, all that stuff where Russell Wilson like turns his back to the line of scrimmage and tries to spin away from a pass rush. Like they shut that down and they buried him yeah. like 16, 17, super 18 yards behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Yeah. Super disciplined unit. And I feel like that could actually help a good amount against Kyler Murray because Really, the biggest part, before we get to the whole hidden issue thing, which is about the receivers, Kyler Murray, like teams are basically saying, we, we know there's, there's two things to take away with this offense, and that's about it. And number one is we have to do whatever we can to not get Murray to keep the ball. When, on the option plays, like whatever, hand off to Kenyon Drake. We don't care about that. Like we'll take three, four yards that he gives, and that's actually been pretty good for his, his fantasy totals. Like his catches are up. His touchdowns are obviously there. Um, his bottom line numbers look good, but I think teams are quite all right with that rather than getting banged by Murray on the ground. So that's one thing, like be disciplined, have Murray just take the, like hand the ball off. We're good with that. Keep him in the pocket, keep the scrambles to a minimum boom there. And then the other thing is the only other thing that's been good about this Cardinals offense all year has been the Murray to Hopkins connection. But here's where it gets weird with this Cardinals offense. Like, I know Graham Barfield put out a tweet. We talked about this on the uh, on the podcast with Dalton this this uh, on Wednesday. You know, Graham Barfield put out a tweet of all like DeAndre Hopkins routes of late and how he's basically just been running a lot of short out routes. Maybe that has to do with Murray's shoulder injury or whatever. They're trying to keep things shallow for him. But it's unbelievable how much DeAndre Hopkins has just lined up at the left wide receiver position. I mean, Andy, it is bizarre to ever see if this is one of the craziest things I've ever seen, and I know this is going to sound like stupid high level and dorky, but just roll with me here for a minute. Like Hopkins <laughs> has run 359 routes from the left side of the field. Second highest in the league is DK Metcalf at 255. That's obviously <laughs> oh a huge, that's a huge gap. Hopkins has run 85% of his total routes from that one position. It is ultra rare to see anyone even approach 60%. Like this is some college football shit. Yeah. And and that's not to say it's it's necessarily, you know, you could pick nits on whether it's a bad thing or not, but it does show that like 
I think they're trying to do that because Cliff Kingsbury comes from an air raid background. I know Chris Brown, smart football, pointed that out on Twitter. That's kind of the air raid philosophy. Keep guys on one side so they can play faster. But it's just making this offense so easy to defend because you mentioned Larry Fitzgerald. Like, we know he's not a huge contributor at this point. Andy Isabella has been a stone zero since uh, he took over that role for the Fitzgerald. And obviously, Kirk has once again, like, fallen out of the mix here or he's just not he's not doing anything so this offense is hyper easy to defend and that makes me nervous going into a team going against a team of the Giants that just played really well last week against a a very good offense in Seattle yeah generally predictability is not a trait that we expect from the the best NFL teams you can get away with it in college because there can be such an incredible disparity in talent uh at an individual level it it just never plays well in the NFL and it's it's weird to see it on this level that is that is actually a crazy number uh, another thing I guess I should mention here is that Wayne Gallman just keeps piling up uh, fantasy stats. Baller, He's got 229 yeah. rush yards in his last two games. He's been really good, and that's coming off a streak of five straight games in which he had a touchdown. So I think he's uh, a relatively bankable fantasy starter at this point. I can't really imagine benching him if you have that option. Uh, let's hit let's hit another fun game. Like this is a pretty fun slate actually as I as I look at it. We've got Kansas really City good at week. Miami. This is a really, really good week. And actually good primetime games, too, which is a shock. Oh, the primetime games are great, and they don't involve the Bears, which is which is exciting for the first time in forever. So that's pretty that's pretty good. This game is a plausible uh, playoff preview at some point. It's Kansas. Well, it's not going to be at Miami, but it's Kansas City at Miami in this one. Um, that's pretty fun because Miami has won eight of 10 games. They have held their last two opponents to single digit point totals, which is pretty good. They they surely aren't beating Kansas City by the same score they put up last week. It ain't going to be a 19 to seven game against the Chiefs. But Miami's defense has been awfully good uh, on the Kansas City side. Like, I, I, fantasy fantasy managers know what to do with Kansas City, right? Like you are absolutely starting your stars against anybody. We all know that. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was a total onlooker last week. It was a huge bust. Uh, He'd obviously been ill all week. I probably should have taken that more seriously and not rolled him out anywhere. Uh, I made that mistake. He he was barely a rumor. We saw him on the sidelines, which, cool. Uh, He's able to stand and walk around. That's good. I expect that all to flip this week. He's obviously going to play in this one. You can run against Miami. It has been very difficult to pass against them. That doesn't matter when you are Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, obviously. Um, What else to say? Miles Gaskin returned. He saw 23 touches. I assume that he's just taking over the full workload in that backfield from here on out. Uh, What else? We got Tua. We got Tua. How are you feeling about Tua and Devon? Dante Parker. Oh, well, I feel like we've at this point, it's the the analysis is already obvious that we know that uh, Parker is better when Fitzpatrick is on the field. That kind of is what it is. I thought what was interesting was last week, you know, going to the year when we're looking at these the skill position groups, I basically said, look, Parker and at that time, Preston Williams, these big hulking outside receivers who don't get a lot of separation. But Parker especially uh, is great on those 50 50 balls. and down the field, he would be awesome uh, when Fitzpatrick is on the field. You know, he would be great in those situations. And that was kind of the truth because their styles just really fit well. So far, that that same sort of uh, chemistry hasn't developed with uh, Tua because I don't think he's – and this this can be a good thing for Tua's long-term prognostication is that he's not nearly as aggressive throwing the ball downfield in in disadvantageous situations, and he's not nearly as aggressive rifling the ball into tight windows as Fitzpatrick is. So I thought the guy who might actually be the most beneficial in this situation is Mike Gusecki. And that finally sort of started to happen last week. 11 targets, nine catches, a touchdown. 
you know, the matchup, obviously, that could be a part of it. Um, that That's a pretty good spot uh, going against the Bengals there. But nevertheless, I wonder if that connection carries over a little bit into this week, too, because obviously tight end is a wasteland. You probably don't have many better options than Gusecki. Uh, and I, I do think running a lot of routes out of the slot, going over the middle of the field, that's where I think Tua is at his best right now, picking apart those areas of the field. And Kansas City, you know, they're they're in the top half of the league in terms of like catches and yards allowed to tight ends. I do think that that's where you also want to pick on the Chiefs defense. So it's a bit, it's a bit uh, you got to have some hope for it. Let's put it that way. But I do think that Gusecki's a pretty fine start because of what we saw last week. Yeah, I should also mention, um, like, I consider Miles Gaskin a pretty solid play here because we we talk about this fairly regularly. Kansas City will just give you whatever you want on the ground because you are definitely not going to beat that team by running the football. So there's a there's a good <laughs> shot here at 90 yards, 100 yards, and a touchdown for Gaskin. Yeah, re- super fun game. Let's move on. But is to- Gaskin Gaskin's been such like a a, a low ceiling guy though yeah there's zero chance of two touchdowns like there's absolutely no chance of a multi-touchdown game you are you're feeling pretty lucky if you get one man i don't don't know yeah (laughs) yeah you're 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 certainly not there's zero chance of like a 30 point fantasy output that is definitely not happening you you might get a touchdown you're probably going to get yards um he's you know he's useful if not at the high end in uh in ppr formats but you're right he's one of those guys where like the floor and the ceiling he's like I don't want to compare anybody to Frank Gore, but he's got that thing going where like the floor and the ceiling are so close. And the only swing is really whether he's going to score a touchdown or not. Let's hit uh, let's hit Tennessee at Jacksonville. Um, and this is man, if you are tied to Tennessee's offense, you are you are pretty happy about this matchup. You are excited to see this in the opening round of the fantasy playoffs because um, Jacksonville is bad at everything defensively. They are 29th against the pass. They give up 8.2 yards per attempt. They are 30th against the run. They are at the bottom of the league in terms of fantasy points allowed to literally every position. They are in the bottom five of the league. This is a super favorable matchup. And I feel like by and large, we, we know where the ball's going in Tennessee's offense, right? It's 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 got a little bit of that Minnesota vibe. Um, it's Corey Davis, who is, uh, man, that guy has been great. He's averaging 80 receiving yards per game. A.J. Brown is obviously great. They're probably both going to finish with 1,000 yards on the season. Davis a little bit ahead of him right now. Derrick Henry is an utterly unstoppable juggernaut. And that's kind of who we're starting, right? So, like, I'm, I'm excited about Tannehill this week. On the Jacksonville side, Mike Glennon, uh, had 42 pass attempts last week. Like I like that's fun. That's pretty fun. Ten of them were deep shots. It didn't really amount to a whole lot. It certainly didn't help DJ Chark in any meaningful way. Um, but it was good to see. And like nope, nobody's rolling Mike Glennon out there in fantasy lineups outside of super competitive super flex, I suppose. But as someone who can who can keep fantasy receivers viable, like I'm kind of feeling it. I, I I feel like we might get a decent DJ Chark week here. Obviously, you guys know what to do with James Robinson. He never sits. Um, I don't know what interests you here. Yeah, basically the only thing I care about with Mike Glenn, and obviously some of his passing totals and therefore some of the deep numbers are also inflated by the fact that they went to overtime yeah. against the Vikings. Yeah. But nevertheless, like all I asked of Mike Glennon was just don't screw up James Robinson. <laughs> um, and I don't even I don't even have James Robinson on that many teams. So like I guess personally I don't really care. It doesn't matter to me, but like that was what I was worried about was that he was gonna get in there and the whole offense was gonna start to decline because Mike Glennon's not a good player. But you know, it's not as if Jake Luton's a good player is is mike lennon comparable career-wise to to what gardner Minshew might become probably so yeah. it, the offense has remained pretty static uh they're they're fine uh, I, I actually think 
they'd be better off like winning games if Gardner Minshew was back in there. But we don't think Jack Jacksonville really wants to win games as it is. So they're fine. The offense is what it is. Tennessee, obviously, the the start sit analysis is interest is is pretty simple. You know, it's it, it's the guys that we know. But I, I'm glad that you brought up Corey Davis. You know, he has fewer routes run and targets per game on the season, but he does have more catches and yards than AJ Brown. It's not as if uh, he's suddenly the number one in this offense, but the gap I think has closed to the point where these are two viable starting receivers. Davis is a guy that you want to consider every week, if not break ties in favor of starting because the offense is so concentrated. You know, they're not throwing a lot of passes to any other receivers. Johnny Smith, his his volume is extremely hit or miss, and you're basically just banking on a touchdown or bust with him. And really no other tight ends have become consistently involved unless Smith misses the game. So Davis is a guy going into uh, free agency this year. He's he could get he could get himself a pretty good chunk of change. Now I I think he's only you know a number two receiver. I think he benefits from the like the fact if you just took in your brain and switched the fact that AJ Brown it was the guy drafted in the top five and Corey Davis was like a rugged <laughs> second round pick, then you're like really happy with where this receiver core has ended totally. up. But the bottom line is Davis is a guy that you probably want to break ties in favor of starting, especially in this matchup and especially because Jacksonville's offense has remained competitive. Uh, under Mike Glennon, that means I think that Tennessee can't just run and hide with Derrick Henry. I will. I will also mention that uh, James Robinson probably this week is going to break the record held, I believe, by Dominic Rhodes for the most scrimmage yards by an undrafted rookie running back, and he's doing this with like three games to play, I believe. Next week, he is likely to break the rushing record for an undrafted rookie running back. This is a crazy season. Like, this is a crazy season for him. And he has, um, like, this is a good matchup against Tennessee. But he's been great in bad matchups, too. Like, he's one of the few um, set it and forget it. I never worry about the matchup sort of situations uh, in in fantasy right now. Like, there might might be three guys like that. And James Robinson has has proven to be one of them. He still holds a bunch of Illinois high school rushing records. Um, Like, it's it's a crazy story to me. He's going to run away with all of these records for, for undrafted rookies. A really fun story. This next game. I barely want to talk about it. I don't want to think about the Bears anymore. I'm done. I've already wrapped my head around the notion that either Carson Wentz or Sam Darnold or both is going to be quarterbacking the Bears very soon. And so I would just like to put the team to bed entirely. I can't do that, though, because um, we're here. We are previewing. Let's talk about Deshaun Watson. He's uh, because this is a crazy season for him, too. And I feel like it's uh, maybe under the radar is too strong, but it is at least underappreciated when we have Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers and others having these terrific years Um, in Watson's last seven games. He has 17 combined passing or rushing touchdowns. He's thrown only one interception. He's been great. And this is obviously with a receiving core that got reshuffled in the offseason. He's now dealing with, you know, Brandon Cooks is good. Kiki Cutie has come out of the witness protection program, right? Um, Bill O'Brien had him just absolutely buried. He he saw he stepped right into Will Fuller's targets. I didn't think that was going to happen. I thought they were going to get sprinkled around. I thought we might see Jordan Akins. We might see some tight ends involved. No, they they basically all went to Kiki Cutie. He was great. Nine target game over 140 receiving yards. An obvious fantasy ad this week. Like people still think of the Chicago defense probably as a thing. They have a bunch of individual talents, but the wheels have totally come off. They have been horrible the last two weeks. They've given up 75 total points. Um, I have nothing good to say about them. The only thing I will say about the Bears um, in a in a positive uh, light is that 
David Montgomery's got this killer stretch down the down the the fi- like through the fantasy playoffs. It began last yeah. week with Detroit. Now he gets Houston, another defense that gives up about five yards a carry. It's going to be Minnesota after that, and then he's going to close the fantasy season with Jacksonville, which again is a spectacular matchup. So, um, it, like who else? Who? What better name to carry you to a fantasy title in 2020 than David Montgomery? Yeah, probably going to get him totally overdrafted next year in the Sam Darnold, Jameis Winston. I, I don't even think Carson, like Carson Wentz, like that's shooting too high. They can't, <laughs> they probably can't afford Carson Wentz, man. Uh, you're looking at like a Sam Darnold, Jameis Winston, maybe Marcus Mariota sprinkled in there. You, I don't you know, just gave me hope. Guy. Like Jameis, I'm, I'm down. <laughs> like I, I don't think that no, doesn't no, feel you like want, a Bears you move. Don't want, no, you don't want Jameis. Maybe, maybe for fantasy, but like you, you don't, you want to aim higher than that. But I guess maybe not. He's got not. the LASIK. Like, He's got how, new eyes. Well, it's really helping him a lot in New Orleans, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> Going to get Montgomery totally overdrafted next year. Yeah, I mean, you could say but the matchups with David Montgomery the last two weeks, and you'd be right. You know, Detroit is terrible. Um, Matt Patricia may be gone, but they're they're still the same old defense. They're, they're going to take some time to exercise those demons. And obviously, Mike Pettin just like, please, you know, he's inviting teams to run on them. Uh, he's been doing that his entire career. But, yeah, I mean, this is a great stretch. Obviously, Houston this week. And – I think on the other side of the ball with the Texans, it's interesting, like with Kiki Cutie, like or Kiki Cutie, whatever, he was not just the same pop gun receiver that he was when he first popped on the scene oh, for the point. Texans, you know, uh, 12 over 12 air yards per target. And this is just another embarrassment in a year of embarrassments for Bill O'Brien. <laughs> this guy threw Kiki Cutie in the doghouse for whatever reason, but Think back to this guy coming out of college, coming out of Texas Tech. He was a good downfield receiver. Like you could see him. I mean, he didn't do too much in terms of his route tree, but like he won deep and he run one short. You know, you're not looking at much like intermediate stuff, but that vertical element was never involved in the Houston offense when he first got on the scene. And then obviously just completely removed him. I mean, they're paying Randall Cobb all that money for what, re- you know, for what reason? <laughs> Like they could have just had Kiki doing that role. Yeah. Anyways, beyond beyond that, I think he's a guy, even against the Bears defense, you need to start him. He's only 16 bucks, I think, in DFS. He makes total sense. It's also worth mentioning Chad Hansen, too. If if not, you know, you're probably not gonna play Chad Hansen, but seven targets over hundred yards last week. And I think it just is another credit to Deshaun Watson just by showing, look, this is a guy at this point who's elevating who who's ever in there. You know, he mentioned Chad Hansen and Kiki as guys that hung out with him in the offseason, like worked out in Arizona when it's super hot, all that stuff. Uh, and now he's just elevating those those two players like whoever's out there is going to be a good option because Deshaun Watson's called the shots in Houston. That is literally, I think, the only thing that the Texans have to hang their hat on from a franchise perspective, especially shout out to the Sports Illustrated story of uh, the whole Jack. They did a whole profile on jack easterby's rise in the organization not fantasy related but if anyone listening wants uh, a good read i would go check that out it's like a it's a wild story deshaun if he you know it's going to get forgotten and obviously he's not a player who's going to get any mvp consideration or anything like that there you know the record's just not there but man if he closes this season the way he's been going um with this receiving core like it's fine it's fine receiving core but it's not star-studded what a just an absolutely heroic season he's having that is probably not getting enough national attention i feel like this game also just from a dfs perspective is is a good value play Mm, in general yeah because there's a lot of value players like kiki um obviously deshaun watson could be the highest scoring quarterback on the board because he could be the highest scoring quarterback on the board any week 
and your guys over there in Chicago, you know, there's obviously some good bring back options, whether it's Montgomery, Montgomery's not expensive. Like Montgomery is still no, cheap and he's not like deservedly. So I'm playing, yeah. him. I'm playing him in our, in our, in our guru challenge this week, Andy, you and I are bringing up the, the caboose. We're, in, we're in a battle. <laughs> we're in a dog fight. <laughs> we're, we're in a, we're in a battle for, uh, although I'll say I'm closer to Liz than I am closer to you, but that's, that's for another discussion. Like I'm playing Montgomery and I'm, pl- I think I'm playing Kiki QT and I'm, I'm now got to think like, do I want to stack this game up more? Maybe not in that particular uh, contest because I'm just trying to make it. Well, maybe I got we all got to make up gaps to tank. You never know. Well, maybe now just I've got to change my lineup here. if I'm going to make up any ground on you because I had both Kiki and uh, and Montgomery in there. This is good intel. This is good information. I'm glad we had you on the. Podcast. Hey, I'm I'm fine, man. I'm I'm going to forget about it until uh, <laughs> five minutes before kickoff, anyway. So, all right, Denver at Carolina. I was briefly pretty excited about this game because I thought I was going to get Christian McCaffrey back. I've had him on IR basically all year in Jake Seeley's Flex League, and I'm, I'm a good team there, and I've been talking a lot of shit about getting McCaffrey back, and now he's picked up a quad injury to go with the shoulder injury. Yep. We don't think he's going to be good to go um that's just that's just crushing this team is this team has issues right now because we got dj Moore on the covid list curtis samuel on the covid list i believe because he was a close contact that is rough so it's it's kind of the mike davis robbie anderson teddy bridgewater show uh on the other side for denver uh the biggest news there is probably that aj Boye was suspended for six games for peds um both of these defenses have been very good against the pass. Uh, they've allowed less than seven yards per attempt. They have both been poor against the run. Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater, woo. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of interested in Tim Patrick here. Uh, Patrick's been great all year, and he has been ignored utterly, entirely, completely by the Yahoo community. <laughs> they are not adding him. I write about, I've written not, about him now for like 12 it. straight weeks, and nobody will add him. Tim Patrick is good coming off a two-touchdown game. You people don't care. Uh, this game is rough. I mean, we might get <laughs> we might get twenty Robbie Anderson targets though if if Samuel doesn't get cleared by kickoff. And yeah. like you said, he's a close contact. He easily could get cleared. I'd expect more to miss the game. He's also hurt in addition to the positive COVID test. So I would just plan on if you have DJ Moore, like don't plan on playing him this week. But the Anderson match, the Anderson matchup, uh, and theoretically maybe the Samuel one is interesting because of the AJ Boye suspension. So. Those guys are both on the radar. Uh, I don't really even care if Christian McCaffrey misses this game. I'm probably not going to play Mike Davis anyways. Uh, He hasn't cleared 80 total yards in his last three starts. Even though Denver has a pretty good run defense, I just feel like that. Like, shout out to all the folks who thought they were making a sick point when the Panthers were 2-2 and uh, early in the year and they had won two games without (laughs) Christian McCaffrey. Well done. Great, great stuff there. That that has clearly panned out to be a, a good, solid point. And yeah, on Denver, it's basically like Tim Pat. We didn't think I'd be saying this with all the guys they got on that team. They've got too many players to be this bad on offense. It's because they have a bad quarterback, but it's basically yeah. Tim Patrick and log out. Yeah, that's that's about right. I suppose you can start Noah Fant because, again, tight end is terrible. Fant has been playing through injury basically all year. He's been pretty good. That's and the running a- backs. Yeah. Yeah. And the running backs. So that's quite enough of that game. Um, I am weirdly excited Huh, for Dallas at Cincinnati. It is one of my favorite revenge games in NFL history. I think Andy Dalton going back home to the franchise that he alone made relevant. Um, I'm super excited for this. Um, What were they ever before Andy Dalton? What have they been after Andy Dalton? 
I can't wait. Neither defense can defend the run. We know that. Um, but Dallas has been just inordinately, shockingly, almost historically bad against the run, giving up nearly 170 rushing yards per week, 5.2 yards per carry. I don't know that Gio Bernard can take advantage of that. Maybe this is a week where Dallas's numbers against the run get a little bit better because Bernard has not exactly set the world on fire. But nonetheless, it's a great matchup. What else are you looking forward to here? Yeah, Bengals just put Jonah Williams on IR too, so hmm. just more sadness for them. <laughs> um, what they've what they've become is a horror show again without Andy Dalton because obviously Joe Burrow's out of the mix. My nutty prediction though is from this game on the Bengals passing game side, so I'll, I'll uh, tease that. Oh yeah, holster that. Very excited, but yeah, I'm not too excited about Gio Bernard despite the fact they just got barreled over the did the Dallas Cowboys by the Baltimore Ravens. Not all that excited there. On Dallas, though, Andy, like, do you do you trust any of these receivers in a theoretically good matchup? Zeke's also banged up now too. Andy Dalton's coming in with a little bit of a little bit of a weakness there in terms of his uh, in his revenge game week. Yeah, I mean, I trust Amari Cooper. Um, I don't fully trust CeeDee Lamb. I have like I, I have unusual faith in Michael Gallup um, that has not been rewarded too often. He you and fine. me both, buddy. Was, yeah. was the, the Cowboys Ravens game was like with with Marquise Brown and Michael Gallup, like <laughs> making big plays. I was like, shout out to all my summer best ball teams. Um, we're finally having a big week because of these two guys that I took in, you know, the sixth round range in basically every single league thinking I was the smartest asshole uh, <laughs> of the group, <laughs> not so much. Yeah, I'm excited to start Michael Gallup in a bunch of consolation brackets. That's going to be fun. Um, Ze- like Zeke, as long as he's anything close to healthy in this matchup, should be fine. It's not like he's carried you into the fantasy playoffs. He is nonetheless probably still one of the biggest hits from the first round because the first round was a total horror show this year. Um, Zeke has been Zeke has been rough, but it's a good spot for him. We wanted to say thanks again to our sponsor for this episode, Planters. When you want to satisfy a salty craving, Planters has you covered. Their deluxe mixed nuts are roasted to perfection and seasoned with sea salt, giving you the crunchy texture and enhanced flavor you crave. Stay satisfied with Planters Deluxe Mixed Nuts. Okay, let's hit the late games on Sunday. There's just a million games this week, and so many of them are fun, so many of them are interesting. I did not think that at any point we would be talking about a Taysom Hill-Jalen Hurts matchup, but like, oh my God, this is this is really fun. Um, it's it, totally understandable that the Eagles would make this move with Wentz. This is probably not the podcast to talk about what a what a strange situation it is for Carson Wentz and for a team to have, I don't know, thirty two yeah. million dollars a year guaranteed wrapped up in a player that you can't play in a salary cap league. That doesn't seem ideal. That seems like actual NFL hell. But whatever, Jalen Hurts is pretty fun. Um, he uh, obviously a rookie. We everybody know everybody's seen Jalen Hurts over the last four years. And I think we've all seen him develop as somebody who was, you know, hey, kind of a frisky running quarterback uh, early in his career at Alabama, uh, coming off a really good passing season at Oklahoma. That comes with a big asterisk because it was the Big 12. Um, That is, there's not a lot of competent defense played in that conference, but still Hertz was fantastic basically all of last season. This is fun. He threw a dime of a touchdown pass too, by the way, last week. So Hertz takes over. 
the unfortunate thing is that is it, it is just about the worst matchup in football. Um, New Orleans has been playing sh- like startlingly well defensively. Um, they are fifth in interceptions on the season. They're third in sacks. They're first in total yards allowed. They're fourth in points allowed. They're just really good. Um, that defense hasn't allowed more than 16 total points in any of their last five games. Jalen Hurts still has to deal with all the that Carson Wentz was dealing with. Um, it's a leaky offensive line. It's a perhaps under-talented receiving core. Um, I don't know. Like, how are you feeling about Hurts? Yeah, I've had a few people ask me, because I'm I'm excited about Jalen Hurts, obviously. I've had a few people ask me, like, who benefits from this? And my thought is probably no one. Like, even <laughs> though I think it's obviously good that Jalen Hurts is starting, it's the obvious move. There's no downside to it from the Eagles' perspective. And from a fantasy angle, we're, we're probably going to be more interested in Hurts than we were in Wentz for so many reasons. But even then, I don't know who to upgrade in this offense. Like Dallas Goddard was already a guy that I feel like this is the thousandth time we've said it. You're starting a tight end because tight end sucks. And he yeah. is a living, breathing human that catches passes. <laughs> um, and sometimes some of those are in the end zone. So you're playing Dallas Goddard. But other than that, full, you can't play Fulgham because they're trying to mess around with Alshon Jeffrey. You'd have to really hate yourself to play Alshon Jeffrey. Jalen Rager's not playing well. Um, his route running has been a problem. He's not getting open, but they're playing him a lot. You know, he had the punt return touchdown when Jalen Hurts got on the field. That Obviously, you can't really carry that much of that over. So my, my thought is, like, let's wait and see with some of these pass catchers because maybe next week if Hurts comes out and he's unlocking all of these guys and it was clearly just Wentz was the problem, maybe then next week we're playing him. Like you said, tough matchup either way. And then with Miles Sanders, man, I mean, woof. Uh, he's got like, you know, you know, I don't think drops are like the most important thing or even the 20th most important thing when it comes to wide receiver play. But Miles Sanders has something like a 30% drop rate per pro football focus. Um, he's a guy that he has six carries uh, in week 12, 10 carries last week. No targets in the passing game. Gee, I wonder why. Uh, his snap rate is starting to go down. So he's not even a guy you can play, and it's a terrible matchup, even though theoretically rushing quarterback, good news for the running back and Miles Sanders, but nothing else in his profile tells you to trust him in this spot. So basically just kind of taking a wait-and-see approach to all these Eagles guys. The only thing I'll say, though, is I know that when the Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts, there was some sort of like, maybe he can be their Taysom Hill. That's like so, I mean, and I, I'm a Taysom Hill guy, <laughs> but that's still so disrespectful to Jalen Hurts, a guy who led yeah. the nation in uh, yards per attempt with 11.5 on non-play action passes. Like Hurts developed into a passer, obvious Big 12 caveat, like you said. Don't be comparing him. This is not like Taysom Hill coming into the Saints offense and it's like we have no idea what's going to happen from a passing game perspective. I think Hurts will be fine, but I just don't know that it benefits anybody. Other side of this one, quickly, how are you feeling? This might be Taysom Hill's last start. Um, Drew Brees is like just horrific injury that Drew Brees suffered. Again, collapsed lung, 11 broken ribs, but he's talking about coming back in week 15. There's a possibility of that. So this might be our last glimpse of Taysom Hill as a full, like full workload, full snaps, everything quarterback. Um, coming off a good game, 232 passing yards, two touchdowns. He ran for 83 yards. I feel like he didn't exactly fix the Alvin Kamara problem, although it you didn't mind it for a week because he scored a touchdown. He was fine for you in fantasy, but still not getting very many targets. Hill knows who his best receiver is, and he's throwing to Michael Thomas constantly. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, and, and the talk out in New Orleans is that Hill has apparently shown them enough that they're cool with 
assuming that he's still the heir apparent to Drew Brees. So I'm I'm still I still maintain that I'm bullish and excited to see what that looks like next year. But be that as it may, in the here and now, at least with Alvin Kamara, he scored the touchdown. His snap rate was up, and he's like not on the injury report this week. So maybe <laughs> yeah, maybe there was two things colliding here. The targets will remain a problem, but it does look like he's healthy, and that's a good news for his uh, fantasy stock. And with Taysom Hill, he could go he could he could go crazy in this game. Uh, the Eagles have allowed the second most rushing yards to quarterbacks. Think about uh, Daniel Jones, you know, running through them both times <laughs> they played, but yeah. especially the one time when he fell. Obviously, I think they have some problems in that area of the field. Hill, I wouldn't be surprised if he scored. If he, like, I don't know if this is a bold prediction, but I could easily see him getting 100 rushing yards in the spot. Oh, yeah, I could definitely see that. Uh, the success of Hill, shake and loose Jameis Winston for my Bears. You love to see it. Uh, let's talk about <laughs> no of course you don't love to see it let's talk about Atlanta at the Chargers oh my gosh the Chargers were beat last week uh 45 to nothing absolutely annihilated uh the team is saying that they will reevaluate the head coach after the season uh that that is not exactly a ringing endorsement um it's uh, certainly much deserved I would say at this point tough loss but this is a great spot for Justin Herbert it's a great spot for all of the Chargers that you've been playing Austin Eckler relatively quiet last week but he did see nine targets uh that is great I mean you're basically starting him for the for the receiving workload kind of split the rushing workload a bit with Kalen Balaj, but Balaj is you know he's Balaj, he's unstartable and he's not going to get the targets that uh, that Eckler is seeing so Eckler looks like a great play here all of the elements of the Chargers offense basically that you've been playing look like great plays in this one um the Chargers are fifth against the pass uh, in terms of yardage, but they've given up 24 passing touchdowns on the year. They very rarely get to an opposing quarterback, so I feel like this is an okay spot for Ryan. Uh, Atlanta is is bad in just absolutely every way against the pass. They, they rank 30th. They give up eight yards per attempt. So, again, good spot for Herbert. Uh, I should probably mention that Todd Gurley returned last week and looked like a zombified version oh. of Todd Gurley. It was a very rough watch. Um, almost nothing on the ground. He played only 22 snaps. Man, I like I don't know how much longer this career lasts if uh, if that is really the state of his knees, uh, which is too bad because obviously prime Todd Gurley was awesome. Yeah, it's a shame. And I know I know he's excited to come back to L.A. He even said, like, I helped build that stadium. I'm excited yeah. to go play it. And it's like and I like Todd Gurley. He's a, he's a good guy. I've, I've spent time with him several times. He's, he's a good guy. I, I wish uh, wish the story had gone differently for him. But never, despite the fact that he did, uh, we did have a Twitter spat one time back when I worked at my former place. Of <laughs> moderate spat, moderate spat. But Todd Gurley rules. Wish, wish things had gone differently for him. For the Chargers, wish the sh- man. I got talk about uh, a roster that I have on basically every fantasy team, which is the Chargers' offense. So I wish things had gone differently for them last week too. Justin Herbert's gone under sixty percent completion rate, and obviously in both of his last two games, obviously last week. I'm kind of I don't know about you, Andy. I feel like I'm just taking what we saw last week, mostly chalking it up to Bill Belichick being awesome against young quarterbacks and any guy in their first year starting and just taking that and throwing it out of my brain. I think the Chargers are in trouble from like a head coaching perspective. We know that we know the deal with that situation, but from a fantasy angle, I'm just going to kind of remove that from my brain and guys like Keenan Allen, like Austin Eckler and Mike Williams, if you need that sort of high ceiling wide receiver three, I'm just going to go ahead and go back to viewing them exactly as I did uh, before last week. 
Uh, let's shift to the Jets at the Seahawks. Surely the Seahawks can't lose back to back weeks to New York teams. The Jets almost won a game. <laughs> the Jets almost won a game a week ago. They basically had it won. It was only a, a just an atrocious uh, defensive play call that preserved their tank, kept them alive in a miraculous Henry Ruggs touchdown that I desperately needed. Um, not a ton to talk about on the Jets side, as usual, except that Denzel Mims, in the unlikely event that you were considering starting Denzel Mims in the fantasy playoffs, he is out of this game for personal reasons. Uh, one of the more popular waiver ads of the week was Ty Johnson. He stepped in and had a terrific day in relief of the concussed Frank Gore last week, went over 100 yards. He was a pretty fun Big Ten player at Maryland, um, super efficient as a collegiate player. We've We've seen one game. It was good. This is Seattle. Wayne Gallman just had a good day against him. Ty Johnson could again be a thing, I suppose, uh, as long as uh, the game doesn't get entirely out of hand. Uh, Seattle, uh, on their side, they've lost four of seven. They have, you know, they obviously came out as a just supernova offense in September. They were scoring 30 plus points per game, and that has not been the case lately in November and December. Uh, what else to talk about there? Uh, Carson, you're starting. Lockett, you're... Well, okay. Some people aren't starting Tyler Lockett. I hear from them. I realize that he has like six of his touchdowns in two games. He is... He's still the target leader on the team. He's still tied to a Russell Wilson offense, and he still has that potential for the two or the three touchdown game. This is a great matchup. I don't... Like, I don't really want to hear a lot of Tyler Lockett hate. I assume that you feel the same way. He's not quite DK Metcalf, but this is a pretty good player in a pretty good offense with a pretty good matchup. Yeah, he's gone under four catches uh, just once since his big eruption game against... Against the Arizona Cardinals, you know that you know the potential still there, obviously, for him to go off at any point. I think you're playing with fire if you do if you do bench him. But you know, like I said during when we were you're, talking about you're the pretty Giants, much guaranteeing a two or a three touchdown game if you bench him. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're locking that in. You don't want to lock that in. You would <laughs> rather have that happen in your lineup than on your bench because you know you'll never sleep again. You'll you'll <laughs> you'll wake up in the middle of the night every single night for the rest of your miserable life. If that 200 game or 200 yard game happens on your bench. Now, I don't know though. I mean, this, but the Seahawks offense, I am, I am concerned, not just because they've racked, ratcheted up their uh, early down rush rate. You know, they're not quote letting Russ cook yeah. as much anymore. And even when they do let, try to let him cook, he's kind of burning some of the entrees. So, you know, this has <laughs> been a problem. This has been a problem. Their passing game. Um, Pete Carroll was correct to say that he's, at fault for some of these sacks. Like, I mean, basically said that with in, in more words than directly just saying like some of these sacks, some of the pressure that is getting to the quarterback right now in Seattle is the quarterback's fault. So this offense in general, I think is not coming up with a second move. Like their first move is actually, I would say really, they're just not coming up with a third move. Their first move is bomb it downfield to DK Metcalf. The second move, is hit Tyler Lockett, like I said, on some of those crossing routes over the middle, whether it's deep, short, intermediate, whatever. They're just not doing that consistently, and they don't really have another answer beyond that. So my expectations for the Seahawks offense is, sure, they could come in here and blow the doors off the Jets and look look like the September Seahawks. That would be a welcome sign, but I'm also not necessarily projecting that either because but the Jets defense is in flux too. Like maybe they're actually not as hyper aggressive because Greg Williams was shown the door. We'll see. I don't know. Uh, let's let's shift to Colts at Raiders, which is, man, this is a good week. This is a really good week. This is kind of a fun game. 
It is not fun if you have invested in Josh Jacobs. Uh, he was still not practicing as of midweek. Uh, it was an ankle injury from a couple weeks ago. This is a bit of a nightmare for me. I've got Jacobs on a fair number of teams, and Devontae Booker uh, did not adequately replace Josh Jacobs last week, I will say. That was a bit of a bust, and now they face a, a Colts defense that ranks you know, top 10 against the run, top 10 against the pass. They've been good all season. Uh, Vegas, not so much. They are, they are bottom 10 against the pass. They give up about four and a half yards per carry. It is not a great defense at all. This seems, you know, I like, I feel like the big topic with the Colts has been the backfield pretty consistently. They roll them all out there. Everybody gets a shot. They like Naheem Hines. He's never going to play less than about a third of the snaps. Um, good player, not necessarily a, an all situation player. Jonathan Taylor is coming up, like came off the COVID list, ran for 91 yards in his return. He played almost 50% of the snaps. He had 44 receiving yards. That's been like one of the revelations I feel like about Taylor this year is he is a totally competent receiver out of the backfield. Wisconsin doesn't do that. Like Wisconsin is like nobody comes into the league out of out of Wisconsin as a as a made person in terms of uh, like receptions out of the backfield. Uh, But the fact that a a collegiate team doesn't ask you to do a thing doesn't mean you can't do it. Obviously, Melvin Gordon can catch the ball. James White can catch the ball. Turns out Jonathan Taylor can catch the ball. He just needs to play a little bit more. Yeah, the Melvin Gordon example is so perfect when it comes to like what Jonathan Taylor, ha- the trajectory he's now on in the NFL. Uh, and the Raiders running game, my problem with people saying like, you know, Devontae Booker, no matter what, last week or, or trying to squeeze him into the lineup is the Raiders haven't been a very efficient rushing attack. You know, it's no, not as no. if th- it's not as if this is like you know, the Rams rushing offense where it's like, we got to keep trying to get this right because the Rams are number one in rush offense DVOA. The Raiders are 21st. You know, they haven't been, Josh Jacobs has been a good back all year, but he's been, you know, from a production standpoint, not exactly what you'd want on an every week basis. I think because they're just, they're not running the ball as well as you want. I do think they've been a really good passing offense for the most part. Like Derek Carr is playing, uh, competently, you know, I think some of the praise that was coming out of that Sunday night game against the Chiefs, like obviously now at this point looks a little ridiculous given how given how the last couple of weeks has gone. Yeah. But still, I think the passing game is is where you want to go in this spot. And yeah, I think Taylor, don't compl- don't complain about Naheem Hines. You look like an idiot if you're complaining about Naheem <laughs> Hines because <laughs> Hines is like whenever the Colts offense has been good, it's when Hines is involved. So he's yeah. going to like teams don't just take off good players from the field because of your stupid fantasy team. So like, give me, (laughs) come back to reality. If you're complaining about the fact that Jonathan Taylor didn't play like 60% of the snaps or didn't touch the ball 25 times, Taylor individually is starting to play a lot better. So take that and feel good about it. Yeah, that's really well said. Let's talk about the football team uh, at the Niners, uh, which is not going to be played in California. I believe Uh, the big news here, Antonio Gibson likely out for week 14. This is this is crushing to me as well. I got a lot of injury situations that I'm dealing with uh, in my fantasy life. Uh, so it's Peyton Barber and it's JD McKissick and that's a special kind of hell. That's not great. Antonio Gibson has been (laughs) outstanding, um, like shattering my expectations. Even like, even if you loved him coming into the season and you were that guy that took him in round six, round seven, um, he's been better. Like he's, he's put himself into the, into the opening round conversation for next season. Um, so that's a, that's a huge loss. You just hope he comes back for week 15. Logan Thomas, after, I don't know, two months of me predicting a breakout game from Logan Thomas, I finally didn't 
because it was Pittsburgh and it was a terrible matchup. And so he had nine catches for 98 yards and a touchdown. He was great. Of course, he was great. Um, the, the one week that I that I don't start him anywhere. Uh, on the other side, the Niners backfield seems a little bit more complicated than I had expected it to be. I thought that would be the Raheem Mostert show. It was not. He had 10 touches last week and split snaps almost evenly with Jeff Wilson, who has been good this year. So I get it. Um, I think they're both flex-ish, um, but not guys that I would necessarily want to ride with. And then we have this, uh, we, we have like Debo Samuel's good. Brandon Ayuk is good. They're getting the NFL's number three pass defense this week. And that is a bit of a problem. Yeah, that is a bit of a problem. Uh, and by the way, that's Logan Thomas, the pride of Lynchburg, Virginia, to you, Andy. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry not to give him his full the full credit. Yes, please please give him the full credit. Uh, shout out to my dad, the longest standing Logan Thomas fan that I know. Uh, <laughs> hit on that in survival. <laughs> hit on that in the survival kit video, and basically uh, made my dad's month by including his text message in there. I mean, I'm not kidding you, Andy. My dad texts me about Logan Thomas at least every other week. Oh, that's amazing. Big, big, big Logan Thomas guy. Big Logan Thomas guy. But that's a long story. And I know Brett will kill me if I tell that story on the podcast. Uh, but the 49ers, the interesting thing about the wide receiver room, what do we do against this this uh, great pass defense of Washington? I feel like because this is a Nick Mullins-led offense, they probably aren't both going to pop every single week. Yeah. But their roles, and I think I made this point on one of the other podcasts recently, or maybe it was in an article. I don't know. Everything starts to run together. But their roles are not necessarily overlapping. You know, you would think because Ayuk was like a yak guy coming out of college, and obviously Debo Samuel is like a gadgety after-catch player as well, they they'd sort of play similar positions. Man, Ayuk against the Bills, that route that he scored his touchdown on where he faked it to the inside and went to the outside, that was his like calling card in college at Arizona State in his last year. He's become a downfield receiver. He's at over 12 air yards per target. Debo Samuel's all the way down at like 4.1. So I feel like in this spot against a good pass rush, you'd probably think this would be more of a Debo week than an Ayuk week. I don't know that Mullins is going to have the time in the pocket to get the ball downfield to Brandon Ayuk because that is the role he's playing. He is their downfield receiver. And, and sure, they want to get him in space too, but that's mostly been the place where they're hyper-specializing um, Debo Samuel at this point. All right, let's talk about the Packers at the Lions. Anytime you can have a running back starting against the Lions, that's a good thing. It worked out for David Montgomery last Hell, it worked out for Cordero Patterson last week. It's surely going to work out for Aaron Jones. It may work out for Jamal Williams. Um, it's just always a great running back spot. Um, on the other side of this thing, we think DeAndre Swift comes back this week. Uh, he's been limited by by illness and various issues, and um, uh, hopefully he comes back. I hope he comes back to the role that he was occupying before. That seems unlikely, um, given the success that Adrian Peterson has had and given the fact that Swift is coming back from from some health concerns. That kid was like when he finally got the full workload, he was so good yeah. a few weeks ago. So I just hope at some point down the stretch, they ride, you know, the future of that actual backfield. Yeah, you would hope. Um, but I feel like Daryl Bevel and Adrian Peterson's are, uh, Peterson are like best friends. There's there's a lot of history there. It makes yeah. me nervous. But I think if you have DeAndre Swift, I would break ties in favor of playing him because that is – I actually wouldn't be surprising if both of these guys uh, find success because that's how little I think of this Packers run defense. Again, right. it's something – I keep hammering on, but Mike Pettin, the way they the way they line guys up, they leave gaps open in the middle. 
Um, they absolutely give up big plays. Your guy, David Montgomery, is allergic to big plays. He ripped them for <laughs> several big plays in that matchup. And I hope – I was hoping that just seeing this run defense get exposed by such a pedestrian back on a primetime game where everyone's watching just really hammers home the point. Play running backs against the Packers because their defense – if you had forgotten about it in the NFC freaking championship from um, – this calendar year, by the yeah, way, that yeah. that game, that game happened. It feels like 55 lifetimes ago, but no, it was not that long ago. If you'd forgotten about the 49ers tearing them up, I'm hoping that you just remember David Montgomery running down the middle uh, all over this Packers run defense and think I'm going to break ties in favor of playing DeAndre Swift. And if Adrian Peterson, you know, scores a couple of goal line touchdowns, just not going to let it bother me that much. I'm going to say <laughs> Yeah, it's been nice that DeAndre Swift, um, d- despite not actually having the full workload, he's the primary receiving option out of that backfield. That's been good for fantasy purposes as well. Let's get to the game that, man, uh, this is the best of the week, the best of a really good week. Um, I could not be more excited for the Sunday nighter. Uh, these are two teams in Pittsburgh and Buffalo that could actually meet pretty deep in the AFC playoffs. These are two teams that could actually give the Chiefs a game. Um, I'm I'm really excited to see these two square off. Josh Allen is coming off a game that looked an awful lot like his, you know, string of really, really fun September performances. He's been a bit up and down since then, but he was absolutely great in week 13. However, uh, he's facing a Pittsburgh defense now that is number two against the pass, number six against the run. They've been good all year. They have some huge injuries, obviously. Dupree, Bush, those are problems. Um, but this has been a really good defense. Uh, what else to say about Buffalo? Stephon Diggs is already up to 90 receptions. I know you've been a long time Stephon Diggs doubter. Uh, you're not a big Diggs guy <laughs> at all whatsoever. Um, <laughs> He's, he's been crazy True. good this year. My you lawyers will coming. be t- will be speaking to you after this podcast, by the way. <laughs> you've you've loved him forever, obviously. He's a reception perception, darling. Um, he's he's a phenomenal receiver. Like nobody has been this consistent at any position this year. He has at least six catches in eleven of twelve games. He has ninety receptions on the season. Wow. He never lets you down. Even in a rough matchup, I'm rolling with him here. Um Zach Moss had a costly fumble last week, and we may never see him again. Uh, we saw a couple <laughs> shots of him on the sideline, but he pretty much didn't play. Um, I hope he gets back into the mix because I think he's a pretty good player, but you don't care anyway because Josh Allen is the goal line runner. Um, what else? On on Pittsburgh's uh, side, James Conner coming back. It's kind of fun because Buffalo has been a terrific matchup for running backs this season. Uh, it is not the defense that I thought it would be. Like, I thought... Man, is Buffalo going to be good enough to have the occasional, I don't know, 24, 28 point game? And they have they have beaten that by orders of magnitude. But the defense has not been great. They give up four point seven yards per carry, almost one hundred and thirty rushing yards per game. Might be an okay spot for Connor. Um, I don't know. What else are you thinking about uh, in this game? Well, two things. Number one, you act like you can read off a positive Stefan Diggs stat that I don't already have tattooed (laughs) on my back. Number two, uh, Andy, I, I don't think I've actually gotten to, to, to ask you about this publicly, but is Josh Allen thrown for more than 270 or whatever weird <laughs> threshold you had for him? He's been all right. To start he's been the okay. Year? Just, he's just he's been question. fair. Now, now, actually, I'm not going to talk about either of on the Buffalo side. I'm not going to talk about Stefan Diggs, but their other receiver, because the equation is simple. If no John Brown, play Cole Beasley. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, that's basically been the analysis the last three weeks. Beasley has 264 yards, two scores on 22 catches. Obviously, it's two big games and one kind of dud game uh, sandwiched in the middle there. But still, tore through the Niners last 
time we saw the Bills play. And I know it's a theoretically intimidating matchup because of the Steelers, but you mentioned it. Like the reason the pride of Lynchburg, Virginia, Logan Thomas was streaking <laughs> through the middle of that defense, Robert Spillane, the guy replacing Devin Bush as the coverage linebacker for Pittsburgh, got injured in that game. I don't think he's going to play this week. Before we started taping, they just placed Vince William, who's already not even a good coverage linebacker. They placed him on the COVID list. So that middle of the the, the field for Pittsburgh, problematic in terms of the coverage linebackers. I know Mike Hilton's a good slot corner, but slot corners don't always just line up against slot receivers like Beasley. And by the way, on the season, the Steelers allowed 12.4 yards per catch and the six most total yards to slot receivers. I don't think there's any reason you should not play Cole Beasley. I think he's like a top 24 wide receiver play this week. Like set it and forget it. No questions asked. If you start three plus receivers and you've got Beasley on your bench, well, good for you. you you've crushed it. You're a receiver position apparently. <laughs> so uh, that's one one point there. And just on the Steelers side, like Andy, does this offense like sneaky suck? Uh, because <laughs> let me tell you what, they've been tough to watch the last yeah. two weeks and they can't convert in short yarded situations. Like people want them to just just saddle up and run the ball more. Well, they can't run the ball. Their rushing game is terrible. Even with when James Conner's in there, they're a terrible rushing offense. And in the passing game, I know people want to hammer the receivers for drops. Well, it would help if Ben Roethlisberger could throw the ball farther than five y- yards down the yeah. field. 4.7 air yards per completion. I put this in my metri- metrics columns too, and shout out to uh, Next Gen Stats. I just posted this yesterday. Like They had a chart which basically shows like the most drops that happen are short and over the middle of the field because defenders can close on uh, receivers quickly and the ball gets on the receiver so fast. Don't necessarily get the chance to see it and track it like you do down the field. Well, guess where Ben Roethlisberger basically only throws it yeah. short and over the middle of the field, this passing game. And I think it's mostly because the quarterback is old and coming off an injury and limited is, is problematic at this point. Yeah, it's it's so different, too, because, you know, the the pre-surgery version of Ben Roethlisberger for like a decade was always near the top of the league in in deep pass attempts. And he like even even in years where he didn't he, he didn't necessarily lead the league, it was it was five to seven a game where he was taking shots 20 plus yards downfield. Um, that was super consistent for a long time and is not what they are right now, for sure. Uh, and you are also right to call out the fact that the run game has been terrible. And uh, like what Connor uh, pre COVID was was not exactly uh, running on all cylinders and nobody exactly Wally pipped him while he was gone. It's been a, a really ugly watch and nothing goes downfield and football's more fun. Greg Rosenthal called uh, Ben Big Breeze, I think, <laughs> on their podcast. And like that's he's playing like Big Breeze right now, that's man. I mean, that's that's. That's it's so true. And it's also weird that they've become this short passing attack. And yet, theoretically, their best short area guy is Juju Smith-Schuster. But they've like completely marginalized him for Eric Ebron because they, you know, Juju is a receiver, but he runs the same type of routes that a tight end would run as that like big slot receiver. And, you know, Ebron's just like he's fine, but he's 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 a very mistake prone player, as we've seen. Super weird stat line that Juju's coming off to, like seven catches for 28 yards or some ridiculous thing that you. Hey, they wish they wish their running backs could get 28 (laughs) yards on seven carries. Let me tell you what. That is that is very well put. The Monday nighter is the Ravens at the Browns. um, And it's great to have the Browns relevant. That hasn't been that hasn't been true in a long time. Baker Mayfield is coming off one of his two big games of the season. He has nine of his 21 touchdown passes in just two games this year. This is obviously a difficult matchup against the Ravens defense. Uh, Tough to run on that team. Tough to throw on that team. 
So uh, like, despite the big week that Baker is coming off, I don't think you can really touch him in this one. Um, he's got a bad matchup here and then he's got a bad matchup next week against the Jets as well. Uh, you're always playing the Browns running backs. No, no question about that. We think that I think I won't speak for you. I think that J.K. Dobbins uh, probably still the Ravens running back that you want to deploy. Gus yep. Edwards is part of the mix as well. Um, my my lasting thought on this one is that as much as I am looking forward to this game, I don't think I can be on Twitter during this game because I cannot stand the thing that we do where like every Lamar Jackson incompletion becomes a referendum on his future uh, as a, as oh, a yeah. quarterback and as a, as a passer right now, he's, he's 23 years old. He has an MVP. He's, he's going to finish this season. It's Relax. not going to be everything that you wanted for fantasy, but he's going to finish the season with like 25, 26 touchdown passes, 10 picks um, and a bunch of rushing yards. Like he's, he's fine. He's really young. I absolutely hate that thing we do. Yeah, it's it's the worst. It's it's terrible with like young quarterbacks in general, but it's ex- especially bad with Lamar because people have such bad take lock like on both like, hashtag both sides on both sides here. People have like extreme takes yes. and take yeah. lock with Lamar. And it, it, it just it is what it is. And I, I get it. So that's where it is for the for the Browns. You're right. I'm a Higgins guy. Like my dude's about to get a contract extension. Shout out to him for being like marginalized by every single coaching staff, except this one. <laughs> uh, but you, you're not playing him in this spot. You're not playing Baker Mayfield. Jarvis Landry though. I think you can play 21 targets over the last two weeks. Finally looks healthy, eight catches and a touchdown in back-to-back games. I would risk it um, because generally they've been weaker in the slot, have the Baltimore Ravens anyways. So I think you're fine playing Landry I think he can still it's not going to be those type of ceiling games we've seen the last two weeks but I think he can pile up some production there and for the Ravens man like they need this game yeah it's insane like they're right now they're in the ninth slot in terms of the AFC playoff seeding and you'd think that like oh a team that they beat this feels like 100 years ago too but they beat this team 38 to 6 in week one so much has obviously changed we have so much more respect for the Browns the only thing I want to like I don't know that anyone has the stomach to play Marquise Brown, even though you've, you've gotten you've gotten pretty lucky with it the last two weeks. But this is another spot where I've got my eye on him, too, because the the Browns have had injury issues. Uh, Denzel Ward might be back for this game. We'll see. But like they've had injury issues in the secondary basically all year. And he did go over 100 yards, I think, on this team in week one or had a, I don't know if it was 100 yards, but he had a decent game. I should also mention Mark Andrews, uh, we believe, coming back for this one. That certainly helps on the Ravens side as well. Okay, looking ahead to Sunday, let's make some nutty predictions. Thanks to planters. Matt, what is your nuttiest prediction for Sunday's games? Listen, man, whenever you can buy in on the non-Joe Burrow Bengals passing game, you absolutely (laughs) got to do it. But I think Tyler Boyd is a top 12 wide receiver this week. I don't know. Maybe that's not the nuttiest. Like, it's not super crunchy. But at the same time, again, bad passing game. But I think Boyd... You know, he's still a guy that's number two behind Juju Smith-Schuster in slot routes run per game. He averages eight targets per contest. And he this probably wouldn't be so bold if he had gotten to finish the game against the Dolphins because on his lone catch, he obviously has a 70-plus yard touchdown and then he gets thrown out for fighting. You know, you got to do what you got to do. But um, <laughs> I, I still think if anybody – like it's obviously a much worse and frankly a nightmarish offensive environment without Joe Burrow. But if we've seen a player – in this Bengals offense succeed in this nightmare before it is Tyler Boyd love the matchup against the Cowboys. Like you saw miles Boykin just running through the middle of the field on his touchdown with no one around him on Baltimore. You know, Leighton Vander Esch blew that play. 
He blew, obviously, the Lamar touchdown run. He's just not playing well. This whole defense is not playing well. I would take a chance on Tyler Boyd for, you know, only 18 bucks in DFS this week, too. I am uh, stunned by this, but I'm going with the same game. We are both eyeing the, <laughs> the Dallas-Cincinnati game. Give me give me Dalton Schultz as a top five fantasy tight end this week. Um, it, it usually works out to make these predictions at tight end because there's only one good one and anybody else can fall into the top three, top five. I think it's a good spot for Schultz. The Bengals on the season line, the third most fantasy points to opposing tight ends. They just gave up a big game to Mike Gesicki. Um, it's been kind of a rogues gallery of tight ends that have been scoring on them all year. It's not like, you know, Travis Kelsey just went off a couple times or something like that. So it's a very friendly matchup. Schultz has been targeted 30 times over his last five games. So he's a big part of the game plan for Andy Dalton and company. And again, it's an investment in that revenge spot for Andy Dalton. I'm so excited about it. Those were some pretty nutty predictions right there. What can you say? We're, we're a bit nuts. Thanks again to planners. And we remind you at home or wherever you are, stay satisfied with planters. Uh, Matt, plug your stuff. What's coming up the remainder of the week? Yeah, just uh, filed the advanced metrics notebook that we referenced a couple times on the pod last night and got the pressing questions co- column coming out tomorrow morning. And then, you know, yeah, Sunday's the usual, man, talking to you on FFL, man. And uh, I, I got to actually like fill in the doc here at some point. Today. <laughs> <laughs> I know I got to do the same thing. Um, thanks for filling in for Liz this week. Uh, folks, if you want if you want more podcasts, we have a lot of podcasts available for you at Yahoo. Check out, please, the Yahoo Sports NFL pod with Charles Robinson and Therese Paler. It is uh, secretly it's a fantasy podcast and a good one. Check out the Yahoo Sports College podcast with Wetzel, with Thamel, with 40. Follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I am at Andy Barons. He is at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. Big thanks to Brett, to Sully, our producers. Uh, once more, a huge thanks to Planters. Uh, wow, we made it week 14, playoffs and whatnot. Uh, we're we're going to have a recap coming up on Monday morning. But until then, we are out. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.